0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Let's dive in. I'm your host, Ryan Lautermilk. I am joined. I am joined by someone very special. Introduce yourself, madame. Please, please, please.
1: Absolutely, Ryan. Thanks for having me. My name is Marlene Emmerich and I'm the Chief of Staff of Modern Work and Business Applications Marketing at Microsoft. And I'm excited to talk with your audience today.
0: Yeah, this is going to be great. So, we're going to we're going to chop it up a little bit um cuz both of us are OKR coaches here at Microsoft. Um so I wanted to talk a little bit about that our organizations are different as well and I wanted to kind of speak about that cuz I think that's going to be fun. And then I think to your point, given the fact that you are sort of at the front here with AI, I think we talk a little bit about how AI is going to is going to help, is going to change OKRs I think that would be great. So mm-hmm. give give our folks a little bit of a history. How did you get involved in OKRs yes. and sort of what has that journey been like for you?
1: That's yeah, a great question. So when I came over as chief of staff for this organization, they had started testing OKRs, but they hadn't been fully implemented. It was a little bit of a start and stop phenomenon that I inherited. And so what, what I did, and I, I created a group of, of coaches where we all got, you know, quote unquote certified to be OKR coaches, but it's more than that. They had, I really needed them to become champions and evangelists of the process and the tooling, So, and and whatever tooling you decide on, but it's important that you can actually use these OKR tools in a way that can keep your data fresh. So if you're keeping things in an Excel or keeping things in a Word doc, I would even say that's fine as long as you have a process for updating. But um, what we were really trying to do is just get people aligned to what OKRs can actually do for them if they are used properly versus in that sporadic way that um, that I encountered. And so beyond creating a team of evangelists, it's getting a good rhythm of business. One of the things we learned early on is using existing sockets to do those OKR reviews is a lot. You will have much more success there than trying to add extra meetings into a calendar. No one likes extra meetings. So we wanted to form a habit with the existing structures and the existing processes that we had, and that really lent to to some good success. And it was a learning curve because at first we started and you know there's there's some O's that had upwards to 12 or 13 KR's, which is completely not sustainable and against the framework and methodology. And so over time we figured out, wow, like the only way that we can actually drive por- prioritization and focus with this process is by actually making really tough decisions on what actually makes the list. And so it was even me coaching my boss to say, just because you're not carrying it at your L1 level doesn't mean that your directs can't carry it at their level. If they're super passionate about a particular KR that just didn't make our executive list doesn't mean that they can't carry it at their level and still hold their teams accountable. And that was that was good learning for everyone because then it's not about saying your thing isn't important. It's just at what level are we going to carry that thing? And so that was just some early learning um, to help people move along the process, because obviously everybody wants to see their work represented, but not everything is going to be represented on the executive list. That's the point, right, is there's got to be some level of prioritization that we can communicate, not only across our organization, but the other thing that we learned is it's super helpful to share your OKRs with your sister organization. So we would share our OKRs with engineering and with sales. So that was really clear, like from a marketing perspective, engineering, we are going to be focused on these things. The other things that you've asked us to do, and we call these (laughs) no-KRs, are not going to get done. Um, And we're very clear about that. And so if engineering feels very passionately about a product that we are not going to be marketing that quarter then it's the decision tree of like, hey, do we want to give marketing additional resources to be able to support this product from a marketing perspective? Or do we just accept that this quarter, this product is not going to get that high level effort that we normally get from marketing for any of these um, products in our portfolio?
0: I love it. I take people behind the scenes as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um that L1 conversation, right? Because in a lot of ways, in many of our coaches who listen to this pod, um, they can find themselves looking at a blank piece of paper, Mm -hmm. a blank whiteboard where it's like, okay, L1, what should your OKRs be? What did that process look like that day when you walked in? Was it an absolute nightmare? I mean, take us through it.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, I think it's first helpful, and you've talked about this before, but there's this hierarchy to keep in mind, right? What is the mission of the organization? Are we clear on the strategy and strategy for us looks like strategic priorities that then cascade into more of the OKR methodology, but we were super clear on our priorities. And as an example for us, we need to, you know, run our core business, which is M365, right? Our sweet motion. We were very clear that we needed to add seats with frontline worker and small business And we were very clear that our new shiny objects, like the new products that were coming out, that we needed to have a way to drive and accelerate those. So whether that's Windows 365 or Viva or now with M365 Copilot, you have to have a plan. And that growth bet is going to require different tactics than what you do when you are driving the core business, which is very standardized, highly predictable right? Growth bets, like we're learning, we'll experiment. Some go-to-market motions will work, some will not. But anyway, those three priorities were really great because then we can translate those into OKRs. And so how it shows up for us, we decided we wanted to do four business-facing priorities and one culture or people priority because we want to make sure that no matter what we do in the team, that people are at the center of what we do because it's the people that are delivering against those OKRs. And so having a way to make sure you can maintain you know, work-life balance and well-being, that you're encouraging growth and development, that you're inc- ensuring that we're driving inclusion in everything that we do across the organization. So we had the people priority, and for us, that was very, very clear that it was going to be one of our O's. So then what do we do from a business perspective, right? We have one O that is pretty perennial, that is, how do we drive thought leadership in the market? Microsoft is now known for having a perspective on how work is changing, especially in this era of AI. And so we need to have, how are we gonna measure that we are actually the industry thought leader on the future of work? So we have an O around that. And we always have KRs around, you know, driving different thought leadership moments, our work trend index, where we share all of our um, results on the research that we're doing across the world. So that one felt really good. Then the second one that we put together is driving new categories. This ties straight to the growth bets, right? So I talked about strategic priority as a growth bet. So now we drill down and say, how are we going to drive growth in new categories? So when I mentioned Windows 365, the category that we created with Gartner is called Cloud PC, and we had tons of success in creating a brand new category that's never existed before. So there's some great stuff in just creating growth through creating new uh, product categories, as well as exploiting and leveraging the adjacencies, what other markets that are next to this new product category that we can go after for additional TAM. Then the third, O was around running the core, which goes straight to our first priority. How are we going to run a world-class business and a world-class go-to-market? And there's going to be some revenue things. There's going to be some marketing tactic things um, that, and some seat you know, things that we're going to hold people accountable to um, from running a world-class business. And then the fourth is that seat thing that I was talking about. How do we add more seats when we're selling SKUs that are lower margin how we win in that space is by adding more and more seats, right? Like it's it's a volume play. And so we had an we have an O around adding seats and driving share across our small business SKUs and our frontline worker SKUs. So you can see how it all ladders back up to the strategy. And because we were really careful in picking those O's, they've actually been pretty standard for us year over year we haven't had to make much changes which has been actually quite useful because it's created stability and consistency in our process
0: goodness that was like an absolute treasure trove of gold Mm -hmm. uh that was just great i mean first of all i didn't even realize you were going to take us through the o's and that was so wonderful um but i love what you said you have to have the mission and the strategy and you guys in fairness actually already had that And that's you just going ahead and investing in it already. I will say um, some people don't. Some teams, companies, orgs, they don't. They might have a mission statement and that's fine. But when you go to that next level, hey, what are the four, what are the three things, the four things, the five things? What is your strategy? What are those three or four or five things that you actually do to realize that mission? And you guys already had that and then were able to quickly think. What did it look like then? So you get those O's. And your org is big and we won't mention the the size of your org, but it's, it's rather large. Um, You got a lot of people that need to see themselves in these O's. Mm -hmm. That's right. So that had to, yeah, that had to be a bit of a journey. Let's talk about maybe level two. Like we've got the level one inked. Now we need to go to that next level. What
1: was that like? Well, I think it's a great question. I think we need to help the audience disambiguate between what is a measure or a KR versus what is a project or task. And what a lot of individual contributors are working on are tasks or projects. Those do not necessarily equate to a KR. It may contribute to part of a KR, but it's not synonymous with the KR. And that is like, to me, was a big aha moment for a lot of our team when we tried to like let them know like KR is the, it's the outcome. It's the, how are you going to measure that you said that you did what you said you were going to do, right? How are we going to measure progress? Um, a project is a deliverable, it's a set of activities, it's a set of tasks, right? And so um, we really worked hard in helping the team understand the differences between those two concepts. Then when you talk about L2, once everyone has an understanding of what is a KR versus what is a project, at L2, like I mentioned previously, our L2 leaders then can take those KRs that didn't necessarily make the L1 executive list, they can put it in their, in their list and I think the most important thing is if you can create a mechanism, which we have in our own Microsoft tooling, a mechanism for ICs to actually load up the projects that they're working on and then align them to a KR that they think it contributes to, then you can see that, that line alignment all the way up from individual contributor project up through like an L4 KR, an L3 KR, L2 KR, and eventually the L1. Like you can see it all the way up. And to your earlier point, if you already have a group that is very comfortable and familiar with the mission and the strategy, then they can see how it accrues literally all the way up to the mission of the organization. And for our organization, um, our mission is simple, where we are the growth engine that turns products into businesses. And so when we work with our engineering teams, we're super clear, we're like, you guys own product, like that all day, every day. You guys are the product managers, you own product vision, product roadmap. But marketing owns business strategy. We are the business makers. So when people ask me, like, gosh, do I go into engineering or marketing? I tell them, well, what kind of maker do you want to be? Do you want to make products or do you want to make businesses? But we're all super clear on that. And because we're so clear on our mission, um, that helped us then um, create that, that linear, um, you know, that sequence all the way up and down the chain.
0: Yeah, that's so good. That, um, you're so spot on too, because when, when folks at that level two, when they try to see themselves in those four big O's and then that final yeah. O for the people, they start to go, okay, well, how am I going to contribute to this? How am I going to dent this? What am I going to do? And oftentimes what I've seen in workshops, the sort of first gut reaction is like, well, this is what I'm working on. And they kind of try to align it to that. And you're going, well, no, that, that's good. These are the things you plan to do, but but so what like, right? Like when you go and do this, what does it actually accomplish and getting them to think like you're saying in sort of an outcome based thing when you guys, and sorry, this will just be a little of a technical question, but like when you guys look, cause we said, ICS, so individual contributors. So that's just a, a full-time employee, a person who typically, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, don't doesn't have any directs. Like in other words, they're, yeah, they're an individual contributor. Again, inside of Viva goals, um, we have initiatives or projects. You can rename them if you'd like, but initiatives where they go, Hey, I'm working on this initiative. It's a deliverable. Great. You can put that in the system. But when we're talking about you know O's and, and KR's, that's really going to be at the team level. Is that how you guys also rolled it out as well?
1: Yeah. So our guidance was, and I know this is treated slightly differently depending on the organization and the principles that you've set for OKR methodology. But the principles that we have adhered to thus far is that OKR's are set at a team level initiatives can be set at an individual level and that right so that's that's the clarity that we've provided to teams because if everybody has their own set of okrs it just gets very unwieldy and so yeah yeah yeah, it gets super unwieldy and we even have principles running like we actually don't want to go past l4 that's another principle that we have in the group is like l1 through l4 that's as far as we'll go um uh, in terms of level of granularity
0: dig it all right that was wonderful and i and i think there's going to be some nuggets in there for our coaches right have a good mission we've talked about this before have a good mission have a good strategy and that is the train rail that your okrs will ride on sans that um it, to use your word it does get unwieldy like where are we going and you could easily lose mm-hmm. uh, your north star Let's talk a little bit about AI. You live in this world. Um, I remember you and I had an internal meeting one time. This was many months ago. You probably don't even remember this, but I remember you, um, you had AI, um, answering your emails and doing things for you. And I had, didn't even have access yet. And you're like, Oh, it's wonderful. It's amazing. You have been at the tip of this iceberg for quite some time, actually. Um, goodness, there's so many ways, directions we could go on this. I mean, I guess initially, Can you maybe take us behind the scenes on some of those early days? Because you did have access. What was it like to sort of watch this grow? And then maybe we'll talk about kind of where we're at. But what was it like in some of the beginning days? Because you were a tester on some of these things.
1: Yeah, it's great. A great question. I think the most important thing we could do is just take a big step back and just mark the moment that we have been in for the past year, right? From the moment that ChatGPT came out in November you know, and even before then, if you were to look back where Satya made that choice to invest in open AI four years ago. Wow. What a decision that was. Right. Because now look at like Microsoft. <laughs> we are a great company, but we are also fast followers. We are so good at, you know, going right behind the trailblazer, doing something slightly better, slightly cheaper. Like that is our M.O. That is a Microsoft playbook. In this new world of AI where Microsoft was able to come out the gate so fast because we were able to infuse the open AI models into our productivity suite, like this is a game changer. And so for us, not only are we having to rewire the whole organization on on putting a premium on speed, on embracing messiness and messy meetings, on embracing that we we will fail and we will make mistakes and then we're going to dust ourselves off, learn and adapt. Like all of these things are creating huge amounts of discomfort for large swaths of employees that are used to doing things perfectly. (laughs) We have a (laughs) bunch of of, of very A-type driven personalities at this company. And so breaking these habits has been painful. So now when you apply that, in the, in the sense of OKRs, p- people are in different parts of the journey. Just like with AI, OKRs is exactly the same thing. So then when you add these two things together, you're going to find quite the mixed bag of experiences. And so I started playing with it. I saw the Viva Goals team doing some really cool things. And I can totally see the promise of like, gosh, wouldn't it be so cool if in the future I could just use my own natural language for it to spit out, you know, this quarter's OKRs. Or have it update automatically because it's already piped into a system of record. So I don't actually have to update the, the metric. It's already being updated for me. I can set the period at which I want it to pull data right right before a, a review or an update. As an example, you can just set all that up so that it becomes really automated. That's where I see this going. Because if we are still having to manually update a lot of things, people will often find that as a tax So as much as possible, try to automate and make things like turnkey. Like I'm gonna set it once and I can forget because it's gonna update for me and I'll have all the information I need to have a good conversation with my manager. The other thing I think is going to be critical in this era of AI as it relates to OKRs is being super agile because decisions are now being changed every other day. And decisions, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your outlook, are being made at very top levels right now. This is the number one investment that Microsoft is making is, is in generative AI. And so there's a lot of executive interest in kind of having their hands in the cookie jar and letting us know what we need to be doing and when and what to call it and how to price it and all of these other things. Um, and so that, that premium on speed um, requires us to be more agile. And so I say that in the terms of OKRs as new stuff comes in, which comes in every week, what is your agile process to review new things coming in and making sure other stuff comes out versus just saying yes to everything? Because we found ourselves in a little bit of a swirl early on in the AI world where it's like, oh gosh, the, all the executives are saying this is all super important. Like, how how do I say no to the CEO of the company? Like that's probably a career limiting move. And so, <laughs> so in that case, when it, when we don't feel like we can say no, then I was trying to teach my folks like, hey. Have you asked your manager if this thing that you're working on is an A-plus effort or a pass-fail? If it's an A-plus, yeah, it's going in front of Satya, it's a big deal, it's one of our tier one moments, yeah, you are going to go for it. But if it's just an internal thing and your manager says, eh, this is more of a pass-fail, you just need to get it over the finish line, then trust them and don't spend that much time on it. That is the only way to survive in this, in this new world is being really ruthless with your prioritization and also being very clear on the level of quality that is expected for your deliverables. And so I think there's a, a vector or a parameter that we think about in OKRs where it's not just the metric but level of quality for the things that are being delivered at the initiative level. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox, but that's just where I see some of this stuff going.
0: People are here for you to be on the soapbox. This is exactly why they're here. This is great. I, I, you know, I think one of the things that you said earlier that just, it warms the cockles of my heart is this idea that AI can go out and do some of these things that, I mean, frankly, I don't know. They just don't require a ton of creativity and it, and, you know, I'm starting to realize that I got this new fancy watch that gives me a body battery. Oh boy. It, it, so every, yeah. So every morning I wake up and it's like, depending upon how I slept, blah, blah, blah. My battery starts at 88% or 98%. That's what I've got for the day. Um, and I, and it's been wild to watch this thing. It, it uses my heart rate to detect things. And, and it's like, I'll sit in a meeting and I'm like, wow, that meeting just cost me like five or 6% of my battery. And mm-hmm. you start to realize, and to your point, like there's only so much energy I have every day. Mm-hmm. And if I'm and if I'm using it on things where I don't know if it matters, and I think this is where OKRs are going to help. Plus, with AI, which is like, hey, if you could handle this kind of lifting for me, getting the reporting going, getting the data lined up, then it frees me up to actually help my team block that's and right. tackle and that's merely right. prioritize the things that I'm looking for.
1: That's yeah, that's a really good point. And using AI not just in your OKR process, but in your actual initi- initiatives that you're working on, right? So let's say you've been asked to work on a strategy or a white paper. Why would you ever start from scratch if you know that there's research that's already been pulled from all over the company? If you Imagine if you can use a generative AI tool like M365 Copilot and any of its extensions to create that white paper for you with all of those data sources that you know, you know that we trust, like whether it's Gartner, Forrest, or IDC, et cetera, to pull in the data in addition to like, what our perspective is on the strategy. You get there, you get to 90% in a matter of minutes versus a matter of hours. And this mm. is where it starts to become really transformational because then we have to start to balance like, what if we have just increased capacity for our team? Can we take on more work in the OKR process? Like we need to start really looking at the capacity of people as we start to get better and better with Gen AI because a lot of the tasks that we are used to doing manually will be able to be done largely by the generative AI models. And what I like to tell customers when I talk to them about generative AI, is like, you always start with the Gen AI. You always start with CoPilot. Like, that is the habit I want everybody to form. You start any task, you start it with Gen AI, and you finish with the human. So at the end of the day, the human is... The, the thing that is responsible for validating, verifying the accuracy of the data that's being presented, ensuring it adheres to the style and branding of the company that you work for, you know, that you have all of these things set up. So even if you get lots of help from your digital assistant on the front end, that, that last 10% really does require human intervention. But you're still done, again, way faster, again, in terms of minutes versus hours, and it's huge. So we have to think about that in the OKR process of the future is like, maybe we're not saying no to things, maybe we're saying yes to things as we see capacity continue to open up for people. Um, And that may mean that we're saying yes to some things, we may not put them on the executive OKR list, but it might be an L2 and L3 that's added, because it is seen as value add to the overall product portfolio.
0: Yeah, it's brilliant. I I was just thinking, um, you know, with regards to some of the things that we're able to do with Copilot, is to your point, um, grabbing strategy documents and saying, hey, can you create some OKRs based on this um, as well? Because I mean, I think sometimes, how can I say this and not be mean? It's hard to write good OKRs. It is. Uh, And it's very easy to write bad ones. So it's one of of these weird things where it's like, maybe you don't want to do that. And to your earlier point, this is possibly something, right? Where I can grab a strategy doc or a couple of decks and say, hey, what do you think the goal should be annually, and, and sort of learning. You know, when you think about some of this stuff, and I love the fact that you're in front of customers on this, we are at this really wild, pivotal moment. And even I feel this, I mean, a little bit of a humble brag here. I mean, I've been writing code since the age of 10, which <laughs> was pretty cool back in the day. Now kids write code at like four, so that's not even impressive anymore. But but it's, and I don't know if you feel this, but like I'm having to relearn how I do work like on a daily. Like I I was just in goals today and I must confess to you, I I opened up Copilot and I'm like, Hey, can I have this actually do this for me and do that for me? And I started to your point, started down that journey versus doing it, but this is going to take a while. Is that what you're seeing as well? That that people are really having to like mind shift a bit on how they do stuff.
1: 100% and this is, I really make an emphatic point on this. When I talk to customers, I tell them, you are not going to get it right straight away. It will. It takes time to build this new prompting muscle that we're all being asked to build right now. And it takes time because all of us have been programmed to think in terms of keyword search, right? Like if you think about how we interact with Google or Bing or even internal searches on a SharePoint site or an intranet, we are so programmed to think in terms of keyword search. And that is not how generative AI works. It's just not. That's not how prompting works because if you only put two or three words into a prompt, you're going to get a very generic output. You're going to be super disappointed.
0: And so give so- us some practical examples on this cuz I I love this word you're using prompt. This is a very popular word by the way, like mm-hmm. prompt the prompt the AI, prompt it with stuff. What yeah. I mean, give us some practical uh, examples on this.
1: Yeah. So, let's say you're a seller And you've been um, assigned a new account, and you don't know much about this new account. And maybe it's a brand new account to your company, so your company doesn't even have a whole lot of company data on what's going on with this customer, right? So one of the things I really like to do to prep for customer meetings is I'll open up Bing Chat, and I'll ask something like, um, uh, where did I put it? It's write me an executive overview of company ABC. Include revenue, headquarter locations, offerings and services, competitors. Include a SWOT analysis and any news stories or announcements that have been made in partnership with Microsoft. It's a long prompt. You also get amazing output and insights from just taking the time to formulate a two-sentence prompt. And so that's what I'm trying to teach. Not only our our people here internally as we roll out Copilot to our employees, but teaching our customers like this is a skill and it takes, even if it takes two or three minutes up front to write a good prompt, man, it's so worth it on the other side. Cause you get so much closer to the pin. If you take the time up front.
0: Oh, I love that. I, you know, and when we think about it's starting to sound like a commercial for Microsoft, but what do you want from us? Uh, we're leading in this space. I mean, what do you want? Um, you know, like when we look at Viva goals, um, we're starting to see this as well. Like you could say, Hey, um, I've got a brand new sales team. They're based, you know, in three different regions. I need them all regions to perform the same. Give me three KRs for a sales team that does XYZ. They sell widgets or they do this and believe it or not. I mean, this tooling can come back and say, Hey, here's what you could possibly run with for a quarter or run with. I mean, yeah. that's, it's quite possible that that's in the future without a doubt.
1: For For sure. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the other thing that I think we're going to start seeing is, at least it's already happening with some of the folks that we're talking about, is um, how do we create extensibility or customization? Because M365 Copilot is powerful, but it is based within the boundaries of the Microsoft tenant. So our generative AI tooling, like our standard horizontal experiences, are going to be grounded in the company data that you as a user have access to within your tenant. But what happens when you need to access data that's outside of the tenant? It's a th- in a third-party system, like SAP or Salesforce or what have you. That's where these custom copilots, like Copilot Studio that we just announced last month. Sorry, this also sounds like an advertisement, but it's pretty cool. You can create your own, you can pipe that third-party information in into the graph, and now... Your M365 Copilot model can reason over that third-party data as well, and you start getting some really rich things. And this is, goes back to the OKRs, like the metrics piece of it. Your metrics data may not be sitting in a Microsoft tool, and that is okay, because we mm-hmm. have created ways for you to be able to pipe in that data so that our models can reason over that information as well.
0: That's brilliant. Time eludes us. This has been fantastic. Marlene, thank you so much. You, um at the risk of embarrassing, you're a very busy individual. Uh, so the fact that you've given me some of your time means a lot. Um, hey, we're coming for many of our listeners. We're coming to the end of the calendar year. Turns out at Microsoft, that means absolutely nothing for us. That's called halftime. Um, but, but nonetheless, um, I hope everyone uh, has a wonderful holiday, has had a great and productive year, calendar year, and looking forward to the new year. If you're an OKR coach who's just getting started, go and check out my newsletter. You can find it at thelittleokrnewsletter.com. You can find more of these podcasts. This is why we're here. We're just trying to encourage coaches trying to help you it can be a lonely gig as marlene and i know Mm -hmm. um so marlene thank you so much for your time hope you have a wonderful holiday
1: it's my pleasure happy holiday everybody bye bye